This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey folks, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 536, recorded on Tuesday, June the 15th, 2021. Welcome one and all to the show. I'm glad you're here. Jason, I'm glad you're here. What's new with you this week? Well, I got a pool, but other than that. (laughs) So, So last week it was a hammock, this week it's a pool. You're really branching out into the backyard. Yeah, no, we're, uh, we're doing the backyard stuff. Yeah. got a pool. got to figure out how to make it not slimy and green. Uh, <laughs> I have zero pool maintenance skills, which I'll now, now have to pick, pick up. And, uh, we also got a gazebo that I'm, uh, assembling. It's a, I've, I've completed successfully step two of like 12. Okay. Do you need any help? Do you need me to come over and help build your gazebo with you? Cause I wouldn't mind doing that. Well, I'm not going to say no, and I'm not going to say yes at this point. Uh, the, the first page of the instructions do say it's a three-man job or a three-person job. And so I said that to my family, and Jasper said, you, me, and mommy, perfect. Well, I was going to say, if, you know, you, me, and Jasper could probably do it too. So, but I'll, I'll let you no, know. Nothing, uh, against, I'm actually, nothing against Jenny. I'm sure she'd be very helpful in the, in the project, but I just enjoy doing these kind of things. Yeah, and I appreciate the offer. But uh, my current plan is to have the gazebo up and done by Saturday and the pool dealt with so that we can enjoy the weekend in the gazebo, lying on the hammock or swimming in the pool. Sounds pretty good, man. Sounds pretty good. Inflatable pool. (laughs) Yeah. It's a above ground, like large inflatable thing, right? Yeah. It's got an inflatable ring at the top. You just, uh, it starts out as a flat, you know, piece of tarp and you fill it up with water and. Now it looks like a, an elephant foot. That's fun. It's very fun. I thought you were going to say my goal is to have everything or have the gazebo up by, and I heard the S sound and I'm like, September. No, Saturday. <laughs> no, it's not Lego. It's uh, it's an actual thing I want to get done. It's, well, not a, it's not a Lego set that I've put off for two years. Well, this weekend is Father's Day, if I'm not mistaken. So you can enjoy your Father's Day in the backyard and happy Father's Day to everybody out there listening too. Super. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I was thinking of buying myself the Lego, the new Lego space shuttle for Father's Day, but that seems a little excessive. I don't know, 250 bucks. Like, eh. I already got my Father's Day gift like a month and a half ago. My wife bought me a, uh, the new Andy Weir, uh, novel on Audible. She said, uh, Hey, Andy Weir has a new novel. Hey, that's great. I want to listen to that very much. And she said, that's your Father's Day gift. And that was it. Done and And then I bought it with points I already had on Audible, so. (laughs) All right. Well, that's okay. Great for me. And then I listened to it already. It's a fantastic book. Everybody should should read it and or listen to it. I should do that. But it's a thought that counts. So there you go. Yeah. All righty. We are here, of course, this week to talk about the big season, the big explosive season six, episode 16 (laughs) finale of Fear the Walking Dead. You see what I did there? I did. I did. I even, uh, tissed a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we are going to do that. Of course. First though, let's mention the ratings from the last couple of episodes. So USS Pennsylvania, which was episode 15, the one there, the sub infiltration mission episode from last week mm-hmm. that got a big old 0.87 million viewers down pretty down. Uh, but this one, the end 
uh, was it called the end or the beginning? No, it's called the beginning. It's called the beginning, right. I wrote down the end in the ratings section of the notes here. Anyways, the beginning was called one, uh, sorry, had 1.05. So Oh, wow. Just shot up again a little over that, over that million mark, but it's hovering right around there. So there you go. It's that, uh, it's word of mouth, right? Oh my goodness, they launched a nuclear missile in the last episode, and everybody's like, what? I'm going to have to watch the finale to find out what the fuck is going on. Yeah, that must be it. I used to have a theory, remember, that um, when, what was my theory? That when ratings were uh, a little higher, it would lead to a bump the next week? Jeez, I can't even remember my own theory now. No. Well, anyway, Must have been a good one. I don't remember it. No, it must have been. I don't know. No, it was it was when there was a good episode that got low ratings, it would lead to a bump the next week because oh, yeah. of word of mouth, because it was good. Uh, so you'd get the, you know, you'd get the ratings bump the following week, regardless of the quality of the episode. And when that happens, you might get the bump. And if it was a bad episode, the one after that would fall way off because everyone would be like, what? This show isn't any good anymore. What are you, what are you telling me to watch this for? So, right. uh, I don't know. Maybe that's what happened here, but who knows? Anyways, 1.05 million for the beginning. And that's the last episode of season six. Uh-huh. So let's talk about it. Um, our cold open here, Jason, is a depiction of Rachel. If you recall, Rachel is was sort of the first person that Morgan brought to Morgantown at the dam. Yep. And she gave birth to baby Morgan. And what we see here is her kind of traveling somewhere on the road, fleeing, you know, the nuclear launch, I guess. And she gets a flat tire. So she's trying to fix it. She ends up breaking her leg gruesomely (laughs) on the car. Uh, She makes her way on foot a little bit farther, but ends up realizing that she's not going to continue traveling and that she's probably going to die. So she straps the baby onto her back ties herself to Rufus the dog, who we've has been hanging around for a while, and then stabs herself in the stomach. And I didn't immediately realize what her plan was here, but at the time I was also like, ugh, I don't know if I I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. So let me tell you. Yeah. Uh overall uh, thoughts on this whole entire episode. I cannot express to you how much I hated this whole fucking episode. And this opening sequence came within a hair's breadth of me rage quitting the show altogether. (laughs) And then it was the only thing that saved it. The only thing that made me against my own will watch the rest of this fucking piece of shit of an episode (laughs) was the fact that I had to do a podcast about it. And I don't think I could sit through talking about it and not watching it. I I have a problem with Babies in Danger. I've always had a problem with Babies in Danger. My current biggest fear of my family is not waking up one morning and my son having to fend for himself. Right. It's absolutely fucking terrifying to me at the moment. This kind of put all that together. This this scene it made me upset. I um I <laughs> If there was, if we weren't podcasting about it, I would have shut down this show, the shut down this episode, and I probably not would not have watched the next season. 
Well, it's a it's a tough situation. I completely understand your feeling, and I know you have that issue with babies in trouble on TV shows. And I was thinking about that while I was watching it. Uh, but I'm glad you continued because it it wouldn't yeah. be fair to to uh, to everybody out there for us to just all of a sudden disappear and be like, nope, can't do it. And then the rest of the episode, we'll get more into this as we go through, but I'm not sure if I was tainted by the beginning of this or whether the whole thing just kind of annoyed me altogether, but there was nothing about this episode that I even remotely enjoyed. Well, I think you may have been tainted a little bit by the opening because I'm not going to say this was a great episode, but... I'm not going to say it was a terrible one either. There's plenty to criticize here, I think, but there's a little bit to there's a little bit to there's a little bit of good to find in this one, I I think, which we'll get to. But um just in terms of this cold open, like yeah, this was some rather disturbing shit and it kind of makes me think that these guys, these showrunners have been intentionally trying to push the boundaries a little bit, at least in the back yeah. half of, of this season with the stillborn baby um, and with this kind of thing. Now, is it sort of cheap that they're, they're using the baby to create that kind of tension and push the boundaries and push the envelope a little bit? Maybe. Uh, Maybe. And if they are, then that kind of sucks. But I just... I feel like you can you can feel that's what they're trying to do here a little bit. They're trying to shock people um, in ways that, you know, Walking Dead shows rarely have before. And when and that's crazy, because when you think about it, the show, the main show has done some pretty shocking things over the years. It, it has. And it does seem like they're trying to push the envelope for pushing the envelope's sake. Like, how far can we take this uh, before yeah. people rage quit the show? And they crossed that boundary for me. Like, they crossed it. I, the, Like I said, I would have rage quit this show uh, based on this episode, uh, except for the fact that I'm doing a podcast about it. It's the only thing that makes me continue to want to watch this. And hopefully it gets a little bit better uh, other than this episode. But uh, it does seem cheap to me that they're they're doing this it seems like they're using these stunts uh instead of uh sitting down and doing some good writing yeah in my opinion it seems very stunty it's a it's uh the equivalent of a uh, a jump scare in a horror movie jump scares are cheap like they're cheap and easy ways to do it i recently watched alien which is a fantastic movie Except there's a couple of Jonesy jump scares in there, which don't make any sense whatsoever. Like, how the hell did that cat get in a closet? And the only explanation is the cat's a robot, too. Uh-huh. It's the only way to make it make sense. Jonesy is uh, also a robot and in cahoots with friggin' Frodo, uh, or sorry, Bilbo, and uh, working against the whole crew trying to get them all killed. Right. Anyway, but... Yeah. This show, it seems cheap. I didn't like it. It was unnecessary. Uh, but as soon as she tied uh, a, a bandana in her mouth, I knew what was going on. Right. So she wouldn't be able to bite and the dog was going to lead her somewhere. She says, you're good at finding people. So I kind of should have figured it out. It's, it's explained at the end of the episode, but 
I mean, just just watching it all was not my favorite thing to do. And I kind of was distracted by that. So I'm going to play a call here from Tyler in Ohio. Now I cannot unsee how babies are crying on set thanks to this podcast. But I'm actually thankful that you brought it up because I don't know. I mean, I care about babies. I have kids and I don't know. I don't want to see them cry. I mean, it's one thing to have a doll and I don't know. It just, it was, it just was a lot for me. It was almost, it was almost to the point to where the main show had the baby left and the walkers were approaching it. That was, that was even a lot for me too. Um, but I, um, did a little bit of research for you guys on baby wrangling. Um, so, so it's baby actors and how they're taught to be happy or cry and all that stuff. And they just, there's one specific one that uh, talked about how she just cries at the baby or she smiles at the baby to get the baby to laugh or smile or cry. Um, and so that was interesting. And babies can only work for 20 minutes at a time and be on set a total of two hours. So they're not there all day uh, being tortured by these Hollywood people. So that's nice. And some states have different laws, but that's primarily what happens. So I don't know, just a little tidbit for you. Um, one other thing about the show is why was Rachel so far away from Why was everybody so far away from everybody? Like, couldn't they have used each other's help? Like, I don't know. It just, that bothered me. That, and of course there was no radio to be like, Hey, come down this road. This is where, you know, a semi truck is that we can hide under, which was ridiculous, but you know, or a bunker is really what would have been helpful. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It w- I think it would have been better for Rachel to get hurt and then hand the baby off to Morgan and, but just the abandonment of the baby. I, I understand that she didn't really have a choice, but I don't know. I didn't like that. I, I don't know. what do you guys think? Thanks, Tyler. Well, I, th- I think you've already heard what we think, but I don't know if any of the baby wrangling information makes you feel better just about the real life use of baby actors in film and TV, Jason. Not really, but there's a lot to unpack there. So baby wrangling, yeah, sure. You can only torture them 20 minutes at a time. (laughs) Fine. Still, uh, you know, it was only in like the 60s or 70s where they stopped uh, or they started using anesthesia on babies when they did surgery after they were born uh, because they thought babies can't feel pain. You fucking... Pieces of shit. Like, what is wrong (laughs) with people back then that they felt that way? I mean, there must have been some evidence, but... Good Lord, people, come on. Well, I mean, they can't really process it, right? Their brains are just kind of basically, uh, you know, uh, unprogrammed mush. And it's a a fantastic ability to be able to learn things based on weird fucking inputs like vision or sound or smell or hunger or having to poop or whatever. And they have to figure all that out on their own. There's a lot of processing power there, but it's unformed processing power. Yep. So I can understand why they thought that babies don't feel pain, but Jesus H. Christ, you're going to do friggin' heart surgery on a baby? Maybe a little anesthetic would be for the best. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, baby wrangling. <laughs> it's fine. A thing. You can only torture a baby 20 minutes at a time. Still, you have to make the baby cry and upset uh, in order to get the shot you want. The baby's not acting. Babies do not act. They just are. So in order to get the, if the baby to laugh, you have to make it happy. In order to get the baby to cry, you have to make it sad. And I know I'm calling babies it, and I don't mean that. But still, babies are not acting. It's not their choice. I hear you. Right? At least a dog, the fucking dog was acting, right? <laughs> you don't make a, 
you don't take a dog and you crush its paw in a pair of pliers in order to get it to yelp. Right? No, I sure hope not. You don't do that. Yeah. Well, that would be a horrible thing to do. So, yeah, okay. Baby wrangling, bad. Yeah, she could have handed the baby off instead of uh, having to to die. <laughs> you know, for her to have to die and then maybe the baby will live. Maybe it won't. Maybe the nuclear weapon will go off right above me. Maybe it won't. Maybe hang out with the baby for a while and see what happens with the nuke. Uh, instead of stabbing yourself to leave the baby by itself for a while, there's a lot of options here. But <laughs> he's also right in that as soon as the missile launched, it seems like collectively everybody went, scatter! <laughs> and they all went in different directions yeah. for whatever reason. Well, I mean, that's the next thing I want to get into. But just before we leave the cold open, I do want to give some kudos to Bridget Kelly Canales, who plays Rachel. Because I can't imagine that scene was very fun for her as, as an actor. And right. I, I think she did a pretty good job in that scene all by herself, you know, with a baby. And so despite how dark and depressing it was to watch, I have to give her some props for pulling it off. Sure. There's at least that. All right. Anyways, let's move on. So... I don't know if you noticed, but the opening credits for this episode, it had the sound of the missile separating rather than the normal Fear the Walking Dead sound, which I guess sort of makes sense. And after the opening credits, we launch into this episode that was, I felt, pretty fast-paced overall. But what we get is these smaller groups of our characters pretty much just fleeing, trying to get to safety. And everybody is split up into smaller groups or even individuals. Uh, and it felt kind of weird that this is all of a sudden where we were. You know, they were, a lot of them were together. And now all of a sudden they're just running away on their own. Um, mm -hmm. Or not running away at all. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Or not running away at all. But I guess the idea is, is the, the, the missile launched. Everyone just went, whoa, I'm out of here. And just all ran in separate directions, I guess. Yeah. So that's where we're at. We start with probably the biggest group, which is Luciana, Daniel, Sarah, Wes, Charlie, uh, the rabbi, whose name I can't remember, and Roly. And they also have Riley with them. So I guess they apprehended him as he left the sub. They just sure. picked him up, threw him in the truck. Why not? They're driving the SWAT truck. And the main thing we learn initially is that Daniel hears somebody broadcasting coordinates over the radio. and they ultimately decide to go to those coordinates not knowing who it is and not even knowing if they can trust Daniel because we all remember what happened the last time he said something happened. And he doesn't even know himself. Like, are you sure you know that you, you heard those numbers? Uh, pretty sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's right. Are you sure? And he's like, no, I'm not sure, but whatever. Uh, they also discover that Roly is a spy slash traitor and Daniel just straight up executes him shot to the yep. head <laughs> well if anybody's going to do it it's daniel he well right? that's true we know his past had some sort of yeah. behavior like that so he does not give a shit he like doesn't he, he does not have that uh that thing in his brain that says don't shoot this guy in the head he's a human being daniel does not have that no he doesn't he doesn't fuck around he just murders the guy um ultimately they get to these coordinates and it is Al, 
Althea, who we haven't seen in a few episodes broadcasting, and she has sent a CRM helicopter to pick them up. So this is kind of a connection to the greater Walking Dead universe. We get a helicopter. It's CRM. I guess this means that Al found Isabel, her, uh, you know, the woman she's in love with from the CRM, Mm -hmm. and has sent them to be picked up. So they all pile into the helicopter and fly away. And that's the last we see them, leaving Riley to die on the ground as the nuke goes off. Right, with the word and spray painted on his back. Right, because we can't have an episode where somebody doesn't spray paint something. And this was Wes. Yeah. He writes, he writes, this is not the end and puts the end on the back of Riley's corpse. That's right. Uh, so this whole episode also reminded me of, there's a, a meme, a gif going around of this truck uh, driving at very high speed towards this uh, barrier. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's got like many different uh, sh- uh, angles of this truck driving right towards this barrier. So it's like, and just before it hits the barrier, jumps to another uh, another angle of this truck barreling towards the barrier from further back in time. And just before it hits the barrier, it jumps to another angle of this truck dr- barreling towards this barrier. And just before it hits the barrier, jumps to another angle. And it just loops like that and never fucking hits the barrier. Yep. So take a look for this gif. It's very interesting and very frustrating, annoying at the same time. This whole episode felt like that. It's like, oh my God, the nukes are coming. The nukes are coming. Oh, there they are. They're splitting off. And they've got a few minutes after the missiles the, the warheads split off, which don't make any fucking sense. If they're coming back in the atmosphere and it's at the point where the warheads are splitting into multiple uh, or the war- splitting off from the main missile, you've got like three to four seconds uh, other than the seven to 10 minutes that these people seem to think that they have. But this whole episode was, oh my God, the nuke's going to go all and jump to another fucking scene where they lead up to the, and the nukes never end up going off except that they eventually do. Uh, anyway, this was the first of these annoying scenes. It, it was, and I can see your point. It didn't really bother me that much because I figured out very quickly that what we're watching is the same time frame leading up to the same moment in time, just different characters, different places, right? Yeah. I, I see what you're saying, though. I've never, I haven't seen that meme, but it does sound interesting. I'll go look it up. Um, but you're right. Uh, it, we just lead up to the point at which the, the warheads separate, and then we see what somebody else was doing during that time. And so I thought that was okay. What I'm going to assume about the nuke is that a i never thought about it before but i didn't realize these things leave the atmosphere as they're rocketing towards their target i figured they stayed within the atmosphere but oh no they'd be cruise missiles if they were stay there's i'm sure subs have cruise missiles that stay low uh-huh. and fly like they they actually they launch and then little wings kind of flip out yeah and they uh, they fly like a plane but these are intercontinental intercontinental ballistic missiles, right? So they go outside of the atmosphere or the edge of the atmosphere and then come back uh, because it's uh, it's more of a ballistic trajectory rather okay. than having to fly along the map of the earth kind of thing yep. to get to where they're going. They just launch it and it's just, you know, the, once the fuel is spent, which the fuel is spent on the way up, after that, fucking Newton's in the driver's seat. It's just going to fly in a ballistic trajectory until it gets to where it wants and then the warhead's split apart right. and go in their ballistic trajectories to 
you know, make a bigger impact. But this thing seemed to have fuel coming down too, which didn't make any fucking sense at all. Well, the other thing I have to assume is I never also didn't really think about it or didn't know that they split apart like that. And they, so the warheads go off in different directions and land in different places. It makes sense. I mean, for maximum destruction, I suppose, but I always sort of figured, well, it's just a missile. It's going to fire and then hit somewhere and explode all right there. But I guess you don't need multiple warheads for that. Think of it this way. You can have one big goddamn warhead on the, on a missile that goes out and destroys a great big friggin' area. Or you could have three warheads uh, in the same area, but you still need the same rocket fuel to get from point A to point B, regardless of uh, whether you have one warhead or three warhead. It weighs the same. You have to use the same fuel to get it all the way. And if you have three warheads that split across, you can actually hit three cities. Yeah. Right? If you're, if you're aiming for, uh, if you're aiming for Toronto and, uh, uh, you know, Windsor and, uh, I don't know, somewhere else. Like if you're, if you're aiming for that, you know, you could hit Toronto and then get all the GTA or you could hit the center of Toronto and also get, uh, Hamilton. Right. Because right? it's, it's right there. You know, why, why not hit Hamilton? There's a big steel production there. Sure. Uh, there's, there's no reason not to hit Hamilton. And then St. Catharines, it's right there. <laughs> Right. And, but nobody cares about St. Catharines, so they probably aim it for somewhere else. I mean, if you're going to blow somewhere up, it might as well be Windsor. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Windsor. (laughs) Well, they they got nothing, but the, you know, I remember in, uh, in grade school or high school, uh, we were talking, somebody was talking about nuclear weapons, some teacher, I mean, and he, and he said, you better believe that one of the the Russians have uh, a nuke aimed at the locks, the Sault Ste. Marie locks. Because that's the you know it's the shipping choke point. You know you nuke that fucking thing. You're not getting any ships from Lake Superior down through the St. Lawrence out to out to the ocean. There's a lot of manufacturing potential on Lake Superior. So that you know made me think, holy shit, I'm living in fucking Ground Zero. You're like holy shit, I'm moving to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's going to nuke Toronto? No, of course not. All right. Well, if there was if there was a point to this first group we see, I guess it is just to get them on that helicopter, integrate the CRM into this story again, and remind us what Al Thea had been doing. So I can see the point of that. That maybe is going to pay off next season. But our and next... that That's assuming, of course, that the helicopter survives the nuclear blast because there's a shockwave mm-hmm. and a... Uh, an electromagnetic pulse that both of which would probably knock the shit out of that helicopter and crash it. I mean, you're like, thinking- There's no reason for that helicopter to be in the air. You're, you're thinking so nuke. logically, but the helicopter's going to survive. It got away, let's be honest. Well, of course, but it, does, it doesn't make any sense. I hear you. Right? If it's a military helicopter, it might have military spec electronics, which might survive the EMP- that comes from the nuke, but the, uh, the shockwave, there's not a fucking chance. Like yeah. it's, it's like, uh, you know, flying a helicopter into a volcano exploding. It's just doesn't make any sense to expect to survive that kind of thing. Yeah, no, you, you make a good point. And it didn't seem like it was that far away from the explosion. In fact, not anybody really seemed like they were that far away from the explosions. I got other, I got other problems with uh, with the explosion, but we'll get to those one at a time. This is the helicopter issue I have. All right. Well, anyways, helicopter flies away. Everybody's on it. I have a feeling they're pretty safe. 
our, yeah, fine. our next group is Dwight and Sherry. We see them on horseback and she decides that she wants to die with Dwight. So that's why they're together. She's fully come around to being like, yeah, let's get back together and get blown up in a nuclear explosion. Uh, she talks about how much time she's wasted over the past, how she's been reckoning with the past sort of unsuccessfully. So they come to this house that first, it seems abandoned. There's a family there. They end up hiding with them in a cellar after killing a couple of the cultists who've taken up residence there. Dwight steps uh -huh. up and kills that dude. And they hide down there. Ultimately, when the warhead explodes, whichever one is nearest them, they're in the cellar and they seem to be okay. Yeah, they uh, there's lots of uh, you know rocking and rolling and stuff shaking and mm -hmm. uh, but they held on to that uh, door that got pulled off by the horse and uh, you know that what half a quarter inch sheet metal door mm -hmm. that'll protect them just fine. Yeah, and honestly, I don't have much more to say about this one other than you know if the first group the point was to get them on the helicopter, I'm not sure what the point of this one was just to just to show us that they survived, maybe show the audience that Dwight and Sherry have reconciled a bit and are back together. And again, we'll pick that up again next season, but uh, that's it. They're in a cellar and we got this new family. Maybe they'll become characters next season. I don't know. Ah, no, I doubt it. Probably. But <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice idea though. Yeah. yeah. It's just to show that Sherry and, uh, and Dwight are back together. And you know, when the pressure's on, you know, all the bullshit just kind of falls away. Right. right. Like we're both going to die. Uh, yeah, sure. We've got a lot of baggage, but well, that don't matter now. No, so not at all. When, when the chips are down, the baggage is gone. You, uh, you become your true self. And it reminds me of uh, what the movie uh, end of the world kind of thing with uh, Steve Carell and uh, seeking, what's her eyebrows. Seeking a friend for the end of the world. Yeah. It's just, uh, it reminds me of the scene where uh, Steve Carell is in the car with his wife, which is his actually real life wife. Uh, is in the car at the beginning and beginning and they announced that, uh, you know, there's nothing left to do. Uh, the end of the world is coming, uh, you know, prepare for it. <laughs> she just opens up the door and runs. It's just like, okay, when all the baggage is down, it's like, I don't want to be with you. I'm gone. That's it. And she just fucking bolts. It was awesome. So it reminded me of that, but opposite, and you know, terribly sad, but Hey, well, you know, terribly, terribly sad, but at the end of the world, uh, when things are, you know, you're, you're about to die and everything else, uh, all the baggage just doesn't matter anymore. You yeah. become your true self. And it was nice that Dwight and Sherry got together. Okay. A positive aspect of this episode. Okay, good. I'll I'm glad. grant you that. I'm glad we found that because I kind of like it as well. I've, I've wished they'd been together from the day they were reunited. I'm just that kind of guy, you know, and it bothered me that they weren't. So here they are reunited. Maybe we'll see that future with their children play out like we saw in the, in the grace episode a few, a few weeks ago. Yeah, you maybe never know. All right, moving on. We get Teddy and Dakota and their kind of story. Uh, they have traveled to some sort of vantage lookout point where they're going to watch the explosion. June and John Dory senior show up. They, um, he, he comes and he says that he, he's there to forgive Dakota for killing his son, John. June sort of says the same kind of thing. And they're trying to convince Dakota back onto their side. 
and I'm sitting there watching this going, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah, like, there's no, there's no reason for it. I mean, if you want to forgive her, fine. You don't have to tell her. No. There's no reason to tell her, especially if there's a goddamn nuke coming down on your heads. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, I forgive her. Fine. And then, you know, have a shooting contest. What I don't know what else they would do. No, I'm not sure. Hang out and talk about John Dory Jr.? I mean, probably. For half an hour? Maybe even a full hour. I don't know. But you're right. It's like, why? Why? this? The world is about to end, basically. And you're following these two crazy people to their death, essentially, to forgive them for what they've done. It's just dumb. Um, but it turns out that there is another bunker there, a secret bunker that Teddy knew about. And it's revealed that Teddy is just using Dakota, keeping her alive so he could hide in this bunker. They could come out some other time and use her as the second key turner when he goes back to the sub later to launch the rest of the nukes. I'm not entirely convinced of that. He was kind of hugging her and kissing her and it made me think, mm. why was he in prison exactly? <laughs> like, well, what was the, what was the deal there? Do we know why he was, uh, he was on death row? It's because he was a cult leader, not because he was doing inappropriate things with underage girls, at least well, as far as we that. know. It kind of felt yeah. like it in this scene, didn't it? It it did. And cult leaders, we know that, you know, some cult leaders are, uh, you know, for the sake of the, uh, the community uh, where sex is a sin, uh, the cult leader will say, well, in order to protect everybody from sin, I will have all the sex <laughs> so that only I can uh, sin because I'm in such good buddies with God that he will forgive me. He won't forgive you for having sex, but he'll forgive me for having sex. So I have to have all of the sex for everybody, which means all your wives, all your daughters, all the sex. I have to do it. I will do that for you because I'm such an awesome dude. <laughs> this will, is what I think of cult leaders. <laughs> I will take the bullet and have all yes. the sex. <laughs> I will... Do that. I well, will sacrifice myself to have all the sex. I did get a creepy vibe from it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I have no idea if that had anything to do with his previous incarceration, but maybe it did. Maybe it did. Um, but the scene, what we, we actually learned in this scene, I think, is that he was using her because he felt he could manipulate a young mind, I think, and he'd keep her yep. alive and then be able to bring her back. And in the absence of Riley, I guess he figured he could walk back into that sub and say, hey, Dakota, turn that key over there. I'm going to turn this one and uh, we'll see what happens. So let's take a look at the logic of that. Sure. Uh, if his plan is to uh, take her to a secret bunker, not tell her about it, and then tell her about it so that they go down into the bunker mm -hmm. so that he can use her to turn the second key. She's the second person in that, uh, in that scenario that assumes, or that means that he knows that the submarine is not going to be nuked because he knows that the submarine is still going to be there with active nuclear missiles that he can launch later. Seems now, to make he, sense. Yep. He's got two problems with that. One, he left everybody in the sub which 
you know, again, if I was somebody in that sub and I just uh, thwarted uh, a missile launch, even though one launched, and in order to prevent other missile launches, I would wreck some shit, right? I would smash some computers. I would take the keypad, whatever it was. I'd make sure that that was unusable from this point forward so that we don't go through this fucking shit again. So that's me. And second of all, we know the nuke goes off right next to the sub. Multiple nukes. Like how do I don't know how many warheads there are in a particular in the single missile, but we have three nuclear explosions that are close enough to that sub to cause Morgan to hide under a tractor trailer for protection, yep. which works. Uh, so wouldn't he wouldn't uh, wouldn't he want to have the nuke go as far away from that sub as possible in order to be able to use it again for more launches? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Riley was the guy who knew how to program them and where to send them and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. It, that's well, maybe that's, Dakota knows how to do that now. Because if he needs a second person, and he he said he would be lost without uh, Riley, uh, then maybe Dakota knows how to program a nuclear no, I, sub launch. It's so dumb. I think we just have to assume that that Riley programmed all of the nukes uh but they only could launch the one you can only launch one at a time i guess and so now that's dumb teddy can go back and all he needs is a key turner and he's using dakota to do that but yeah i mean when you think it through too much it just really really loses all credibility you know the only thing i can assume is john dory is wrong he thinks that he just needs uh, that uh, that he just needs a second key turner. When in fact, what he wants is a uh, to have sex with a young girl. Uh, maybe he just wants some company. Can we just leave it at that? I don't know. It, it's 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 not good. I'll I'll grant you that. It's not uh, good. But uh, I it just the other the key turner thing doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. Well, and I got the definitely creepy vibe from the guy in this scene too. I did too. I did too. It's the first time I've had that creepy vibe to be fair, but it was there. They walk up holding hands. He kisses her and just the way he talks to her and looks at her. Yeah. It's a little bit creepy. Well, and from the moment he saw her for the first time, it was come with me, hang out with me. I think you're great. You should not change. He, he started, you know, he's, uh, he's grooming her. And that's, that's the fucking gross term that is actually appropriate for someone who is a, uh, uh, I can't, I can't even go there, but it sure seems like he's been grooming her from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's, uh, I have a problem with this too. It's gross. In the episode. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. I can't remember what, uh, this call is about, but this is one from Daniel. So it'll be a surprise to both of us. Nice. All right. Now, my holy crap, did you just see that? Uh, why would those two, John Dory's wife and his dad, yeah, go for forgiveness so soon after his death and with, no, with nothing happening to qualify it, it doesn't make sense. It's stupid. They just wouldn't bother. they just leave her knowing she was going to die. They don't have to seek revenge. they just leave her. My idiot. Awful. <laughs> all right. So I meant to play that when we were kind of talking about how it doesn't make any sense, but we got all distracted with the creepiness of Teddy and Dakota. Yeah. Uh, but basically, yes, Daniel, we agree. It doesn't make any sense. It's just sort of yeah. silly. Daniel, you ain't wrong. No, not at all. Now, 
the way this scene ends is June and John Dory get in the bunker, but Dakota ends up killing Teddy. So now Riley dies and Teddy is dead. Cool. And then Dakota stands there and watches as the warhead detonates and is incinerated pretty much. Yeah. So yep, pretty much. Let me ask you this. Her body uh, was clearly fried, but uh-huh. was it enough that she's gone or is there f- fried charbroiled zombie Dakota walking around? Maybe it doesn't matter, but I figured if I said she was dead, you'd probably say to me, we didn't see her die. <laughs> well, no, she's dead. Okay. It's uh, it's the season finale and she, uh, so is everybody else though. That's the thing is that, you know, the, we'll get to it, but, you know, watching a nuclear explosion causes, causes problems. It's mm-hmm. very, very bright, right? Mm-hmm. If you're close enough, uh, it's bright enough that you don't exist anymore. And then there's a permanent shadow of you on a fucking brick wall behind you. Yeah, I know. Uh, because everywhere, everywhere else gets burned, but if you're far enough uh, away, you just go blind. Like it just fucking fries your optic nerve and you're done. God. Right. But no, she's, uh, she's absolutely dead. I absolutely believe that. Uh, whether or not there's a radioactive charred zombie walking around, I doubt it. All right. Well, just just because of how much it would cost to bring her back in order to play that part next season, you know, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm, you know, I, I hate thinking things like this, but I'm kind of glad Dakota's done. Uh, it's everyone's wanted her to die for a long time and now we have it and she dies in a pretty horrific way. So, you know, people got their wish and I do Uh, sort of, but she also died by her own choice in her own manner. Okay, right? you're she, right. It's, she got, it's better than she deserved. All right, fair. I thought the effects were kind of cool. Just watching the thing come at her and then boom, all her skin is gone. Like, yeah, it's kind of fun. Well, this was, this is, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the opening scene in Terminator 2 where, uh, yep. uh, what's her name is hanging onto the fence and then the nuclear blast goes off and she just basically fried and then turns into a ball of ash that just gets scattered. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, nuclear scientists have been pointing to that going, that's exactly what it's like, by the way. My God. I mean, that's the probably the most realistic depiction of what a nuclear blast would be like if you were standing near it. And so it seems like the effects people in this show went, uh, okay, we'll do that too then. And they did. Things like this make me marvel at... <sighs> At all of the incredible creations that humans have come up with, the good and the bad, and good Lord, the nuclear weapons seem like just such a uh, misuse of our collective talent and resources, but man, oh man, what can you do? Well, I think everybody pretty much agrees to that. I know. I I don't think you'll find anybody who goes, you know what? I really think that we should launch some nukes. No. Just to see what happens. I hear you. Like, no, we've we've done that. It's not good. It's not dude. good. But it makes me it makes seeing things like this and thinking about it and the things that happen, like your eyeballs frying out of your head if you're too close, just makes me think, boy oh boy. If we just put all of our efforts into things that weren't gonna kill everybody, yeah. where would we be as a human as I a mean, society? 
from a you know an individual perspective, is being near a uh, a nuclear blast any worse than you know going at a grizzly bear and trying to survive that? Because that's pretty fucking gruesome too, right? Uh, you know they'll just they can crush a goddamn bowling ball with their jaw strength, right? So they clamp onto your head because they got big enough mouths to clamp on your head, and it's like that uh, movie we watched the other week with the tiger chewing on uh, John Dory's head. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of squishes like a grape. Yeah. That's what a that's what a grizzly bear would do to you. Like it just go crunch. Mm, just kind of crunchy on the outside and tasty in the middle. Well, uh, I, get, I but, guess if we learned anything, nuclear weapons and grizzly bears equally dangerous. Gri- yeah, grizzly bears. But you know, grizzly bears. Uh, you know, when they really get down to it, they could probably take out five or six people. Uh, whereas a nuclear weapon is a little more mass destructive. Mm-hmm. So maybe a, a nu- if you could tie. 2,000 grizzly bears into a small area and then bring it to a city and let them loose, uh, that'd be just as bad we've, as we've, a nuclear weapon. We've talked about the concept of, and how, how horrific the idea of the rat king is. Oh uh, yeah, rat king. What if it was a grizzly bear king? <laughs> Pretty bad. Uh, it seemed to work a little more as a collective. I don't think they would attack each other as much as a bunch of grizzly bears tied together. Okay. <laughs> yeah, grizzly bears tied together might just be a self-contained thing that you would look at and go, man, that's fucked up. Oh, yeah. Because they would just go at each other, right? Whereas the rats would be like, you know, sure, we're tied together and everything, but man, we got to eat. So let's all go over here. Yeah. All right, then. All right. Well, one more quick email here right now from Tallahassee's bemused twin brother. And he didn't like this. He says at the point June shoots the guy from Wiggy Teddy's hand, sorry, shoots the gun from Wiggy Teddy's hand and John Dory, John Dory senior shoots his fuck awful line of dialogue. I was expecting a fourth wall breaking look to the camera to confirm fear the walking dead had gone full parody. If only Scooby-Doo and had Teddy remove his wig to reveal that he is actually being played by Leslie Nielsen. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, pretty bad. Pretty bad, I think. Okay, we can't knock Scooby-Doo. No. My son a- has been watching a lot of Scooby-Doo in okay. the last couple of years, and he loves Scooby-Doo, and it's not bad. Like, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, the whole television show, it's a whole thing. There's plot lines that run multiple episodes and multiple seasons, and it all kind of wraps up at the end. It's actually watchable. All right. Well, don't knock Scooby-Doo then. Fair enough. And he loves, there's a Kiss Scooby-Doo crossover movie, and it's his absolute favorite. And when we're driving in the car and uh, a Kiss song comes on, he's like, turn it up! Weird. He loves Kiss now. That's okay. It's his favorite band. Nothing wrong with Kiss. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. All right, let's move on to Strand. He is by himself. He goes into the city, I guess, because he's in an urban area. He finds a guy named Howard living on the upper floors of an office building. So we had Sherry and Dwight run into some new characters, and now we have Strand run into a new mm-hmm. character. But this guy is played by Omid Abtahi, who you may recall from The Mandalorian. He was Dr. Pershing on The Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Yeah, there you go. Um, I honestly was watching this having no idea why Strand is here, what he was trying to do. I guess he just fled off on his own in a random direction and ended up here. Um, but the whole sequence, as it all plays out, to me, sort of felt like the show giving Strand a scene or a group of scenes 
where he is going to assess himself as a character. And that's essentially what it was, I think. The conversation he has with Howard is all about what kind of man he is or he wants to be. He recounts what happened in, with Morgan in the sub. And then at first he claims to be Morgan. Like when he thinks yep. he's going to die, he says, I am Morgan Jones. He says, I'm the man who was ready to die, not the man who just wanted the glory. But then later, after surviving the blast, which they watch out the window, he admits to being the grifter and the cheater. Um, and not being the good man that Morgan is. Uh-huh. And so, he's completely blind now because watching a nuclear explosion will blind you. Well, maybe should be, but isn't. <laughs> and it didn't break the windows. No. Nope. Which I thought was pretty fucking amazing too. I guess it was just far enough away that it didn't do any real damage. Um, I must admit, after it was all said and done, I found this, these scenes with Strand to be some of the more interesting on the show because, well, for the very reason that it, it gave him the ability to sort of deal with his character and decide who he wants to be, what kind of man he wants to be. And ultimately it seems like he's kind of embracing the dark side a little bit. Strand feels like he is becoming a villain. Yeah. Uh, and okay, so I'll have to admit that this is a good thing as well, uh, out of this episode is that if Strand, oh my God, can you imagine if Strand is the bad guy in the next season? Well, that I that think would is be a, the best. I think it's a possibility. And our listener Bev in sunny in still sunny Brixham wrote in and she said, my prediction for the big bad guy in season seven will be the true extent of Strand's dark side coming out. When Strand thought he was going to die, he took Morgan's character and name. I believe that at that point he felt if he'd been a selfless person that uh, he and the others would survive. Throughout the entire show, he's been in a constant battle between his light and dark sides. And it's clear to me that now he's survived the dark, that now he survived, the darkness has taken over. Once Strand gets news of the CRM, he's going to want to be the one who finds them first and he will destroy anyone who gets in his way. If any of the others tell the CRM what he did to Morgan, then he will not be able to smooth talk his way into the inner circle. So that's mm -hmm. expanding a little bit on what might happen next season. But the point is, yeah, it feels like Strand might be becoming the villain, quote unquote, for, for season seven. I would like that. Which I might, think that would be really cool. Might have always been his destiny all along. And when you think about some of the things he's done, especially recently, it almost feels like they're grooming us, the audience, a little bit to get ready for that. And here we are. So, I think that would be, uh, I think that would be good. So, so even though I didn't really understand what Strand was doing and why he was there, this whole sequence felt to me to be one of the better parts of the episode, just because we've, we've finally put Strand on a path, whether you like it or not, he's, he's on a path and I'm, I'm good with that. The only problem I have with this is if they make Strand the bad guy in the next season, that means on the big show, what's her name? And for the life of me, I can't remember her name right now. Won't be the bad guy uh, in that show. Uh, we, you think Maggie's going to be the bad guy Maggie, next season? Yeah. So Maggie, <laughs> thank you. Well, I don't know what, what kind of brain issues I was having there, but Maggie, you know, playing around, saying obviously she's the bad guy. She's turned into a bad guy. Uh, if Strand is going to be the bad guy, Maggie can't be. 
in that show. You can't do both. You mean you can't turn a good character into the bad guy on both shows at the same time? That's right. Okay. They won't happen because we have, uh, we have what's his eyebrows, uh, you know, watching the entire, uh, property, like all the different, uh, uh, all the different shows yep. and managing everything, what's going on in this show, what's going on in that show and how things cross over. Mm-hmm. There's no way he's going to let, uh, you know, let things that happen. He's not going to let that happen in two shows at the same time. Are you sure it's Scott Gimple? Maybe I'm pretty sure maybe, if maybe this is all his idea and he loves his own ideas so much, you know, let's do them it in all the shows. Yeah. <laughs> let's do that everywhere. Yeah. I want, you know, everything to be purple. I want all purple. I want my house to be purple. I want my car to be purple. I love purple so much. I want you to dress in purple all the time. You think that that's the kind of thing that somebody would do? I think it might be the kind of thing that Scott Gimple would do. Do you think he would be able to pitch that to AMC and AMC would be, yep, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Well, that's what we have to hope that, that that's not the case, right? That Kirkman is there and, uh, Galen and Hurd are there and the other producers and the AMC executives, but they gave him this job. You know, they're the ones who put him in charge. So, uh, Galen Hurd, uh, we'll take him aside and slap him around a little bit if he tried to pull the shit. I could see her doing that. <laughs> you know, not physically, but you know, she's been a producer for such a long time that she probably has the ability to slap around a showrunner here and there and get away with it. Yeah, probably you're right. Okay. Well, the final pair that we need to talk about is Morgan and Grace, who never leave the sub, so they're still there. Morgan is broadcasting on the radio to anyone who will listen about making the end something that means something to you or to somebody else. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what a fucking pointless say to, thing to say on the, on the, on the radio waves. The end is near. I'm going to try and fix it, but I don't know if I'm going to fix it. So make the next 20 minutes mean something that like, how, how can you as an individual that are about to be fucking nuked make the things that you do in the next 10 minutes mean anything. That well, doesn't that, make I mean, any that, sense. That's a kind of pessimistic attitude, I think. I mean, I understand what well, you're saying, but like at the same time, it's like hug your kids. You're going to die. Like do what you want to do for your last moments on earth. Oh, okay. So what's her name said, uh, you know, my leg is broken and I'm about to get nuked. Instead of hugging my kid, I'm going to strap it to my back and stab myself in the belly so that I can be a zombie, uh, I'm not even sure. Wagon? Zombie wagon? Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's the wagon, right? We got a we got a dog pulling the wagon that's uh, hauling the baby from point A to point B. So she's a zombie wagon? I think so. Makes sense. Okay. So that that's how she interpreted that. Well, hey, I'm not saying everyone has an interpretation that makes sense, but I think that's what Morgan was going for, right? He's like, just make your last moments meaningful to you because they're your last moments. And some of them did, some of them didn't, I guess. But that's what he's doing. Uh, But then Grace comes in and together they decide that they don't want to live. There's no way to live in this world after the detonation. So they express their love for each other and then are about to commit double suicide. And Uh, we have a Star Wars reference in this scene. Oh, we do. Because Morgan says, I love you, Grace. And she says, Oh, right. I know. 
<laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but anyways, they're stopped by the sound of a crying baby, uh, which they can hear from the uh, bridge mm-hmm. or at least launch room of a submarine that's coming from outside the submarine. But put that aside. They hear the baby crying. And of course, it's Rufus the dog leading <laughs> zombie the zombie wagon. Rachel back with baby Morgan. <laughs> so they come out, they kill zombie Rachel and Morgan, Grace and baby Morgan end up together as a family. And as you said, the nuke goes off nearby, at least one, I think a few, and they hide under the truck and for now seem to be okay. All right. So by the grace of God, uh, in this scene where they started off as a bunch of individual people, and then by the end of it, they're a nuclear family. Oh, zing. <laughs> That's way better than my pun at the beginning of an explosive episode. <laughs> and then you said we launch. You said this episode oh, launches. Yeah, I d- you did that too. I, that I, one, I, that was an unintentional one. <laughs> it was good though. So uh, this, the seven or eight problems I have with this are uh, one, Grace is led. This starts with Grace lying on the top of the submarine, staring at the sky and watching a nuclear missile go by. So now (laughs) the trajectory of this missile launches from this submarine, goes straight into the air. And then at some point later, she's lying on the roof of the submarine and the missile goes from left to right across her vision. Uh, So the missile goes straight up goes off to the right, circles back, <laughs> comes across her vision to go somewhere else. So it's doing what? Fucking loop-de-loops in the upper atmosphere? Yeah, pulling donuts, doing figure eights, you know. I mean, what's his name programmed it? Who knows what he programmed it to do, right? Mm. Maybe he was thinking, this is going to be cool. I'm going to write something in the sky while it's flying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, people were all scattered and spread out. Strand was in a friggin' city. Uh, but they all were able to see one, at least one of the warheads hit the ground and explode. So why not? Obviously this one... they all scattered in the wrong direction. Like nobody went somewhere where the nuke wasn't going. Nobody so, did. Uh, yeah, they, maybe they should have spread out a little more. Yeah, maybe. But I, I mean, they didn't really know. So they just had to pick a direction and go for it and hope they got lucky. Except okay. for Morgan and Grace so, who stayed at the sub. They didn't go anywhere. We're assuming this is the same sub. Right? Maybe it's a different submarine. No, like they launched from one submarine and they went to another one uh, faster than a missile so that I could see it go by. Same sub. All right. Yeah. I don't know sub. which is weirder or which is less plausible. <laughs> There's an awful lot. There's an awful lot. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, anything else? Anything else about Morgan and Grace? I mean, they're now a family. They are going to assume, I assume, survive this, even though it felt like the nukes were pretty close and they are going to lead off into season seven. Who knows doing what? So his plan for killing them both was to shoot himself through the head and have it go directly into Grace's head. Is that right? Yes. Okay. That nobody has a problem with that? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I kind of have a problem that they, they wanted to do it, but at the same time, they thought they were going to die in, in other ways. So they were taking it into their own hands, so to speak. Um, but I assume you're going to tell me that it wouldn't go through his head fully and probably not kill her. No, people's heads in this, uh, this universe are super soft. I have no problem with that. My problem is that he was doing it without 
properly angling the thing. A lot of people, it, it happens, people shoot themselves in the head and either miss mm-hmm. or don't hit the center of the brain and they survive the fucking experience, which is, I, I'm not sure, there's no good scenario, but, you know, angle is important. If you're trying to shoot two people with the same goddamn bullet, uh, you, you know, you got to be very lucky uh, in order to do that. So your best bet is to <laughs> shoot her in the face and then shoot yourself. Oh God. Right. So much so, worse. <laughs> it is. It's awful. But you know, what's the, what's, what's the other scenario is that you shoot yourself in the head and you miss her. And then she has to scramble for the goddamn gun in order to finish her off while she, while she's staring at your stupid head all blown open. Oh, I mean, I don't even, uh, if I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yeah, there's, they could go outside and look at the nuke, and which is what they did ultimately. But they could go and you know stand there and put go arm in arm and wait for the nuke to go off. That's probably their best bet if they want to commit suicide. Like, why do it before the fucking nuke goes off? Man, there's just too much depressing in this episode. And and if you're gonna be, if you want to survive a nuclear explosion. Uh, the best place you could possibly be is the submarine that launched the goddamn nuke. Close the hatch. Chances are they're not going to nuke this sub. Like, why would they program the nuke to go straight up and then straight back down? Which ultimately is what they did, but (laughs) let's just put logic aside here. You know, forget (laughs) that for a minute. (laughs) You close the hatch. You got power. I'm sure there's goddamn MREs in there somewhere. You can have a nice lunch, wait for the nuke to go off, and then uh, go on your merry way. Yeah. Or you go outside and, uh, I don't know, run to where you think the nuke is going to go because the nuke is not going to go off here. So if you want to die and you want to get killed by a nuke, you go. You have to find out where it's going and then try and go there faster than a missile. Yeah, well, that's what everyone <laughs> else did. And only Dakota got the got the location right. Okay, and now they're all going to survive the fallout? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking mostly with Sherry and Dwight in that basement. I'm like, the basement with a, you know, a door that's basically ripped off is enough to survive this? No. So, I don't know. Well, there's 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 a few things that are going to happen when a nuke goes off, right? First, you get the, the flash, right? Which, you know, is enough, is powerful enough to, you know, turn people into mist. Mm-hmm. If you're close enough, you got to be pretty close for that to happen. But still, that's the first thing. And then you get the blast wave, which, uh, you know, <laughs> Morgan outran. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh no, the nuke went off. Run. Yep. <laughs> the blast wave is coming. It's like, no, it goes at like a 1200 miles an hour. You're not outrunning a goddamn blast wave. It's like outrunning a volcano. You might outrun the, uh, the lava if it's going real slow, but Mount St. Helens, when it explodes, it's going out at hundreds of miles an hour, uh, and it's coming at you and you ain't getting out, getting out of there. Like you're not doing nothing to outrun that thing, but you know, he outran it. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, you got under, there was multiple nukes that went off. But now they have to survive this, the, sorry, then, then comes the storm, right? All the shit that, uh, it's slower, but all the shit that the nuke picks up and throws around, like there's going to be like trucks and buildings and shit flying all over the place. And that's going to start peppering down and, uh, you know, making people into meat paste, uh, here and there. So let's assume they survive that. Then there's the fallout, right? There's just, okay, they've got this nuclear explosion going off. We're all looking at it. It's all good, well and good. 
there's a hell of a lot of radiation that's going to be uh, a problem. Yeah. So hopefully we can deal with that. Nobody seemed to have an issue with this. No. I mean, next season, we are now living in a nuclear zombie apocalypse, not just a zombie apocalypse and not just a nuclear apocalypse, but both. And how they deal with that, I don't know. I mean, the show better have some answers because otherwise it doesn't make a lot of sense. The only thing that make the, the only thing they can do is everybody gets on a fucking bus and leaves, right? Maybe the helicopter, if they've survived, that's the best option is to get the, the ham and cheese out of there. But everybody else just kind of standing around going, well, I survived that. That was cool. What do you want to do now? I mean, what if they all immediately run to the bunker that Alicia's in, knock on the door and move in with her? They don't know where that is. Are you sure? I think they might know where that is now. No, what's his name said that uh, he knew where it was and they were taking him there, but they were just taking him someplace else to get a front row seat. Roly, you mean, who Daniel Roley. executed, yeah. But, yeah. But maybe he did. Maybe he revealed where it is. No, because they didn't they say they said something about going to a hotel and it was under a hotel. They did. They did, but they were not taking him to the hotel. They were taking yeah. him somewhere else to get a front row seat. So nobody knows where that hotel is that's still living. Okay, so they have the but, moment. But they have a hint that it's a hotel, so maybe they can figure it out. Okay, so in a, no, a post-apocalyptic, zombie apocalypse, nuclear apocalypse wasteland, they're looking for a hotel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's the best okay. western down the street. Why don't we go there? Maybe they've got a nuclear bunker. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to look for the hotel that looks like it has a nuclear bunker. Yeah. Right? I don't know how you tell, because I've never been in the nuclear bunker in the hotel, you know, I've gone to, there's a restaurant in, uh, in Toronto that used to be a bank and you can uh, reserve the table that's inside the vault. And that's kind of fun. I sat but there But I don't once. think I've, yeah, it was my birthday party. I reserved it for a birthday party. Oh. Didn't you come to my, my in, birthday? It was in the vault. It was awesome. In that case, I've been there more than once because I was there with one of the kids once. <laughs> oh yeah. Poppers. Yeah. That's okay. the name of the bar. Good time. It's still there? It's, well, it was a few years ago, but yeah, it was okay. there then. I love that place. We'll have to go uh, one day again. We'll have to go one day once they, uh, once the world, uh, stops moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the finding, uh, finding Alicia, which they did show a shot of, uh, from the inside of that bunker, uh, withstanding the explosion. So we know Alicia's fine. Yeah, that's true. I think we saw some pipes fall off the ceiling, but yeah. she's in there. I gotta think that's what they're going to do to start off the next season is get into that bunker. Now, obviously my theory of everyone's safe in a bunker and the next season we open the door and it's five years later didn't play out, but maybe that's not out of the question yet, right? Maybe they can get in the bunker quick enough and live there with her for five years. And then we're still five years in the future. I don't know. Okay. So here, here's the thinking I have around that is, uh, if they don't do that, then Morgan and, Re- and Grace have a fucking baby that we're going to have to deal with on a regular basis in this show. Right. Which they kind of skirted around with Judith, right? There was a baby, but they did, she wasn't a big part of that show. But with Morgan and Grace, you would think that the baby would have to be a big part of this show unless they do the five-year jump. Right. Just like with uh, Judith, you know, she's not a big part of the show until she's 10 years old and then is a big part of the show. So if we jump forward and we have a baby who's a six-year-old, a little less trouble to deal with. You're right. So maybe they'll do that. Yeah. Well, between 
Rachel and Morgan and Grace wanting to kill each other and Strand becoming the villain. Uh, and I don't know. Those were all the, the downer points, I guess. Dwight and Sherry getting back together is a bit uplifting. The rest of the gang getting picked up by the CRM. I'm going to assume that's a good thing, but we don't really know. Uh, this episode was all over the place. And despite all of that, I came out of it not totally disliking it. But there was a lot in here that I really think they did not stick the landing with as we were hoping for last week. So I know you absolutely hated it. I'm kind of middle of the road on this sucker, I would say. Alrighty. Well, um, I do have a little bit more listener feedback I want to do, although it is about more about last week's episode than anything else. So uh, let's move on to that right now. And we have a call here from Kim about episode 15. Hi, guys. Uh, Kim from New York. I got a problem with the whole episode, this USS Pennsylvania. Um, How is it that Riley is the only survivor to get off the sub because this pitcher was still in a bunk? And it's just you know, amazing that Teddy finds him and he happens to be the weapons officer. It's just, what are the odds? It's, the whole episode just drove me nuts. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) thank you, Kim, for that. Whole episode drove him nuts, but you know what? You don't have to worry about Riley anymore. He's dead. So there you go. Yeah, it's a bit of a coincidence. You know, hey, we have a nuclear submarine. Hey, we have the weapons officer. Hey, we have one key. We need to find a second key in a zombie apocalypse. Uh, oh, good. We found it. <laughs> yep. And oh, good. That's, the sub still works. We can turn the power oh, yeah. on. Everything's Well, fine. diesel generators. Oh, it's hard to fuck up. Right? Fair, I guess. All right. One last one here from Che. Jason. I love you as much as any man can love another man he's never met and only listened to on podcasts for many years. But every time you say residual memory, you make me want to scream. When have we ever had confirmation that zombies have residual memory? The only suggestion of that is in the first season with Frank Darabont, like four showrunners ago. Sorry, man, get over it. They don't have residual memories. They're brain dead. Love you guys. All right. Thank you, Che. So I I will say, Jason, that just because it was only 10 years ago in the first season doesn't mean it's not canon. It happened on the show. Yeah. I mean, that was a, that was an emotional roller coaster. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, you know, any more, as much as a man can love another man that has never, they've never met, you know, that's an emotional high. I love you, but you're an idiot. I mean, that was an emotional low. It it, kind of went all over, you know, I'm reeling, I'm reeling, (laughs) but. Uh, yeah, okay, I can get over that. We've seen things that can only be explained by residual memory. And I'm sure that I'm just kind of playing at it. But, you know, that fucking RV inspector zombie, I think that's what we're all talking about here. Let's just put that on the table. (laughs) Yes, I remember that. And it's come to the point where I'm thinking, uh, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I think, you know, that shit just happened. 
and it was 25 years ago. Right? <laughs> right. It's like, it's not old yet. It's only 25 years old. Yeah. Right. It's still, it's still relevant. Right. Of right. Course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so something that happened 10 years ago, man, uh, as you get older, things become more and more uh, geological time. In geologic time, everything's happened right. It's happening right now. Right. You know, in, in geological ages, residual memory for zombies hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> there you go. Right? <laughs> well, listen, I did a little bit of Googling on this topic because I was wondering if there was any kind of definitive answer on this. Was anybody else thought this other than me, you mean? Well, and of course, there's no definitive, an definitive <laughs> answer, but I did come across an article on ScreenRant.com from 2016, and I pulled out this quote. It is, fans that have obsessively watched the show from the beginning might notice walkers from later seasons appear stupider than they did early on, particularly during season one. Remember seeing one use a rock to smash windows, or Morgan's wife trying to turn a knob, or slipper, bunny slipper girl uh, picking up the stuffed bear? It was definitely odd behavior for monsters that are supposed to be nothing more than mindless chomping machines. The reason given by the show's creators, specifically Robert Kirkman, during his Reddit AMA, is that, quote, fresher zombies, which, were, which there were more of in season one, are able to do more of the older, able to do more than older, more rotted zombies, end quote. Obviously, that doesn't make much sense, which is why it's basically a cover-up for the real reason. The inconsistency was created after original showrunner Frank Darabont was fired midway through the show's second season. Darabont liked the idea of smarter zombies and so started having them perform semi-intelligent things, like using makeshift tools to get at their victims. Kirkman was not a fan of this view, nor were the others behind the cameras, and so the walkers were sufficiently dumbed down after Darabont's departure. So that well, kind of explains it. So everybody's right. That's the I'm thing. right. Yeah, everybody's everybody's right. Yes, zombies had residual memory, but they don't anymore, and that's on purpose. And from a Robert Kirkman AMA, Jesus Christ, you can't believe anything he says. If he says it, it's probably a lie. Sure, but that's also the point here because he said there were fresher <laughs> zombies and earlier on and now there aren't, and the article goes on to say that doesn't make any sense, which is why it's a cover up for the real reason. So yeah, and that information is also 10 years old. <laughs> there you go. Well, 2016, so five years old. But anyways. Still. That is that. Um, and that is all for sort of the follow-up feedback that I have. Now, normally we'd wrap things up at this point, Jason, but because this is the season finale and because people might be wondering what we're doing next, um, well, I don't have a good answer for that, but I do have a little bit of Walking Dead news. Cool. So let's talk about that right now. First of all, they have officially announced that Fear the Walking Dead Season 7 returns, quote, this fall. So we're not going to have to wait all the way until next year to get more Fear the Walking Dead. It's coming back in the fall. And I got to think with Walking Dead starting in August, that means that the first eight episodes of that will run through until sometime in October. And I guess that means that fear comes back right after that in October and runs yes. October, November, maybe into early December. But I'm wondering then when does World Beyond come back? Because they haven't made any announcements about that yet. And I feel like they need to slot season two of that in somewhere. So 
maybe they're taking their time with that, delaying it, or maybe it will air concurrently with one of these other shows. I don't know. But because we just finished Fear Season 7 or 6, I wanted to mention that 7 comes back in the fall. They might just release it on streaming all at once. Would they do that? No, they won't do that. It's a it's a broadcast show, World Beyond, like the like both the others. Well, it was, but the world is changing. Oh yeah, okay. Good point. Good point. I mean, I guess anything's possible, but I assumed they wouldn't do that, but I guess we don't know for sure. Yeah, we can watch TV from home now. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> um, and after this episode and your feelings on it, it sounds like maybe we have to have a talk about what we're going to do when Fear Season 7 comes back this fall. Well, I feel better about it now that we've talked about it. Like, I, was, I, think that, I think that you're right, that that opening scene tainted me for the entire episode. There was problems. Uh, anytime you introduce nuclear warheads oh, yeah. uh, that go off inconsistently uh, in space and time, <laughs> missiles that do loop-de-loops, and then watching explosions. Anyway, we've gone through the issues. Uh, I think that I do not feel like I wa- still want to rage quit the show. I think I've, uh, it's like going to a therapy session. Uh, I've talked through the problems mm-hmm. and I think I'm able to package them all up and bury them deep down deep uh, in my, <laughs> in my stomach so that I don't, I don't have to deal with them anymore. Cause that's why you go to therapy, right? So you can take all that shit and bury it deep down and not deal with it right. anymore. I, I, yeah. I, I, I assume. Figure, yeah. <laughs> I've never been to therapy, but that's what I assume it's all about. Yeah. But I feel better. <laughs> um, yes. And in no way do we mean to make fun of that sort of uh, mental health treatment. No, absolutely. And of know, course. I'm, therapy can help anybody. I, everybody that I've talked to that I've gone to therapy has uh, had nothing but good things to say about it. All right. Uh, how it makes them feel better and uh, helps them. So I, I josh, but I understand. All right. One more news item. AMC has announced 11 weeks of reveals until season 11. So what this means is that AMC is going to be releasing stuff um, leading up for 11 weeks up to season 11. And so they're going to spoil their own show? Well, it's going to be here from comicbook.com. They said a countdown. It is a countdown that will bring photos, trailers, and other reveals on Thursdays before the final season premiere of The Walking Dead. So there's not a lot of information there, but it's just going to be like the typical stuff we get. You know, here's some set photos. Here's a teaser trailer, whatever, whatever. Um, the, The biggest, most notable part of this, though, and what piqued my interest originally and kind of fooled me, to be honest, is that they announce a new series called The Walking Dead Origins. And I'm like, huh, new series? And my first thought was, even after reading the description of what this was going to be, is that it was going to be an origin series on some of our characters. So this also from comicbook.com, the four episode origins charts the story of the zombie apocalypse from the point of view of a single character. And here's where uh, I stopped paying attention, I guess, and features new interviews and narrations from the actors that portray these iconic characters interwoven with clips from the most pivotal moments of their journeys so far. The, Uh, According to the official synopsis for the specials, they will spotlight Daryl, 
Carol, Maggie, and who do you think the fourth one is? Uh, I stopped caring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's Negan. Aaron? Negan, okay. Yeah, Negan. Um, so, so when I first saw this news drop, I thought it was going to be four new one-off episodes like we got at the end of season 10 that was focusing on a specific character. And I thought, okay, this is cool. We're going to see either, maybe it'll be something like what they did with Here's Negan. We go back and fill in some blanks. They could do that with Maggie for sure. Um, you know, Carol and Daryl have been around the whole time, but you never know. And people have been clamoring for more Negan stories since Here's Negan. So I thought maybe they could do that, but it's not, it's kind of like character spotlights they're gonna do four full episodes and that's it it's a it's a fucking interview show interwoven with a clip show like it's it's the worst of all possibilities (laughs) (laughs) well so we don't need to watch them and recap them i guess then eh no but no (laughs) don't worry we're not going to we need we need to rage against the fact these will exist. Well, this listen, what we need. they're only going to air on AMC Plus, so they're not for broadcast. They're just for the AMC Plus subscribers. And the first one will be July 15th. Uh, so I guess exactly a month from right now as we speak. And then one a week until, um, I guess, until season 11 starts. Okay, so it's... So, you know what? It's okay. I don't like, uh, no, it's not okay. It, oh. it's, 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 it's a clip show combined with the bachelorette. It's going to be, uh, you know, the actors sitting down in front of a camera, uh, talking like people in the bachelorette talk in the first person, uh, present tense singular, uh, interwoven with clips that kind of tell, tell a story. This is the worst thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, no one's forcing you to watch it. And for, for people who have AMC plus, maybe it's something they, they would be into. Maybe they, I, I I don't imagine a lot of people are going to really sit down on day one and be like, I'm all ready for this new clip show, but could be something you put on while you're doing something else. You know, I don't know. Okay. You watch it Uh and let me know what you think. (laughs) I I can't, I can't, I can't do it. It's okay. I can't. I can't actively participate in this without some kind of background information that would possibly compel me to watch it. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to take the hit for us. Well, Chris. I, I'm not too worried about it. There's not a lot of chance that I'm going to watch these either. Uh, you know, despite all of the things I have forgotten about the walking dead over the years, I do feel like you and I are closer to this show than most people, most average viewers. So a recap of what's happened to Maggie over the years. I don't know is really something I need to, uh, to, to watch and get on board with. But I don't know. Did it say, did it say anything about, uh, you know, interviewing the actors about how they think or what they think about their characters or is it going to be, are they going to be interviewed in character or is it just going to be interviews about, you know, questions about their character? No, I think they're going to be themselves talking about their characters. So, but I don't all right. Know. So I mean, no new information. Just uh, do you like your character? Yes, I like my character. Here's a clip. <laughs> no, I mean, what what new information can they possibly give us? They're not going to give a, reveal anything about season eleven. I mean, think of it as a 
as a recap or a introduction for new fans if you're just starting to watch the show in season 11 for some crazy reason. I don't know, but it is what it is. And uh, right. if you're into that thing, watch it. Maybe So they're trying know. to lower the barrier to entry. Uh, so they're, they're trying to make it more accessible for people that, you know, it's like, I can't, I can't watch 10 seasons to get caught up. Just, you know, give me some information so I can start watching the new season. Could be. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Right. It's the same reason why I can't start reading Star Wars novels. It's just, there's, there's too much, mm -hmm. right? I don't know where to start. I don't know what makes sense. Uh, I don't know what I can skip and what I can't skip. Uh, and you know, 47 novels is a lot to, uh, to start reading <laughs> in order to, in order to get into this thing. The barrier to entry is just too, it's too thick for me. I can't, I can't get in. So you're saying you need a quick two or three novel, like recap of the entire history of Star Wars to get you on board. And then you'll be caught up to date, just like these will do for some people. Yeah, but I wouldn't read those either. Yeah, fair. Right? I, I, I'd i look at that and go, yeah, I'm not reading that. Or like when I look at Audible and I see a, a series of novels and they have, uh, you know, uh, you know, book one, two, three, three point five, four, zero, And it's just, okay, what, what is the 3.5? Like they just, they're writing a new story from a perspective of one of the minor characters that they kind of slipped in there that takes place between these two things. Uh, you know, I'm not reading that. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> well, if you're into this kind of thing, there you have it. July 15th. I think the first one is Daryl, but I'm not positive. Uh, but that's when they start airing on AMC plus if you are a subscriber. All right. I apologize. I'm mostly just a ball of rage at this moment that, and mostly an incoherent ball of rage uh, as well. So <laughs> I want to apologize for that. That's fine. It happens. <laughs> happens to the best of us. But luckily we're at the end here, Jason. So you can uh, rage yourself to sleep and hopefully yep. you'll feel better tomorrow morning. Um, thank you. So, you know what? We're at the end of another season of a walking dead show. So thank you once again to everyone who has listened, who has stuck with us, who had, doesn't even watch the show anymore, but listens to us. We very much appreciate it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> Stop watching this show and continue to listen. <laughs> Just continue to be on. I, it came close. It came close. I'll, I'll be honest with you. There could be something there. As, a, as an idea for me to watch it and then you not to watch it, kind of a scene unseen scenario. I, I don't know. And we almost- the next, the next podcast. After this uh, whole Walking Dead thing is over, yeah. we're going to be, uh, you know, kind of casting about for a new podcast idea. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll think about something like that there. Okay, fair enough. Because that has the advantage of me not having to do anything. I mean, unlike like I don't now. have to watch the show even like now I just have to watch. That's the only requirement is watch the show. I don't have to read anything. I don't have to look at reviews. I don't have to gather any other information. You do all the heavy lifting, Chris, without you, I am nothing. This podcast is nothing. Uh, you know, you are the podcast. I'm just this guy that talks on the internet. But if we did a scene unseen, that even lowers the bar further, which is way inside my wheelhouse. I'm, Fine with that. What if we alternated? I watch one, then you watch the next one. That doesn't make for very good uh, TV watching, though. So, anyways, we can talk about that later. Sure. <laughs> All I wanted to say is, everybody, thank you so much for 
for sticking in and listening. Thanks to everyone who supported the show over the years. Uh, you can still do that, of course. TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash PayPal to make a contribution or Patreon.com slash TheTalkingDead to become a patron. Thanks to everyone who does that. And I really, really hope you've been enjoying the podcast for uh, if whether you're a new listener or a longtime listener. Um, it's just lovely to have you here. We are delighted about it all. So what are we going to do next? Since there is no Walking Dead, new Walking Dead content coming for the next little while. Um, well, next week we're going to take off. We're going to take a break next week. And cool. after that, I don't know. Um, the only reason we wouldn't take next week off is, is if some huge news landed or something like that, right? Um, we'd have to probably record to talk about that. But sure. Assuming that doesn't happen, uh, we're going to take a break next week, and then we will be back the following week with uh, something else. I haven't figured it out yet, but maybe we it's will. It's going to be a surprise to us and everyone. And everyone else. Yeah, exactly. So we'll leave it at that. But in the meantime, of course, everybody continue to send in thoughts and comments and feedback. Uh, I don't think too many people had a lot of things to say about fear as we wound down here, and that's fine. But if you do have anything you want to get off your chest or send in to uh, two guys who talk on the internet, then by all means do that. You can visit our website at TalkingDeadPodcast.com. Click on Send Voicemail at the top to record a message that will get sent to us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead, where I posted that article about the new episodes coming when I thought they were new episodes. So that didn't age very well, but it's there. <laughs> um, and you can send all your email to talking at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to get that. And if a bunch of feedback comes in over the next couple of weeks, then, you know, obviously we'll address what we need to when we do record again um, at the end of the month. So that will be exciting. But uh, once again, thanks, everyone. And until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.